This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now, here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. We are taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet in Seattle. Hey, Jet. Dr. John, good morning. How are you doing? Hanging in there. Uh, the weather's beautiful now. It's just uh, just going to be a great summer, I hope. Yep. I would hope so. So, yeah. So a couple things. Um, what, uh, what, what, what's the behind-the-scenes story with the whole David DeCastro situation? And is he done with the NFL, or is the NFL done with him? Or what's happening there? Well, what happened was that... Uh, you know, he, he couldn't get any kind of a contract. I mean, you know, what, he's been to six straight Pro Bowls, but his ankle was bothering him, and he had a real bad season last year, particularly blocking on running plays. And he has had, we didn't know this, two ankle surgeries. And now he needs a third ankle surgery. And so, uh, you know, he didn't go to any of the OTAs. He went to the mini, he went to the mini camp for a day and then walked out. And then uh, finally, just uh, took the position. It's like I, I don't. Uh, you know, that's like I don't know if I still want to play. I think he does, but you know, if he gets the ankle surgery, which I'm sure he probably has right now, he's probably out for two months. And so, uh, it's not a very good situation. Now, is was there some acrimony between him and the Steelers on this one, or is this just kind of a guy probably? at the end of the line saying, do I really need this anymore? And yeah, like, I, I think it was more of the end of the line thing because, I mean, he's such a good guy. I mean, again, he's been to six Pro Bowls in a row, so it's like he's a good player. I mean, he was their best offensive lineman, particularly in the last several years. And so it's like uh, I think you know it was just a matter that, uh, you know, the surgery's kind of caught up to him, and uh, now it's a matter it's like, okay, you have to deal with it. Now, it's funny because a lot of teams are saying, oh, we got to get David DeCastro, but it's like, hey, I mean, remember he's like, what, 33 years old or something like that, and he's older, and, uh, you know, he's – He's injured, and so where where does that stand? Yeah, because with a t- as a team with a need of uh, you know a guard, I was just kind of wondering mm-hmm. why you know more teams weren't like the Jets weren't even sniffing or snapping him up because as you said, good guy, really mm-hmm. good player. And the other thing is, I mean, the Steelers, as you well know, is a very good organization, and they're not as generally it's not a whole lot of acrimony. They tend to take care of their own, right? So it just kind of seemed like a very odd separation. Uh, given all the players or the, the the parts involved, well, plus it didn't help that he you know missed the OTAs, you know, going in that boycott and then coming into the mini camp and leaving, and I guess he left mainly because he knew he was going to get cut. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of get the sense too that the Steelers were kind of cleaning house, mm-hmm. uh, getting rid of, uh, trying to bring in some younger guys, uh, getting rid of the top salary like Villanueva left as well. So I mean, uh, you know, Pouncey, the situation there, and so you can see. Maybe it's just kind of a, a part in other ways with the old guard on the line with the uh, the Steelers. But again, so. that's, that's that's real dangerous in the standpoint that uh, you know now they're so young. I mean, they got four new starters on the offensive line. And gee, I can think of a team that you follow very closely that went with four new starters on the offensive line, and it was a disaster. Oh come on, John! That was a recipe for success. Were you not watching the season last year? Uh, yeah, on the Jets, sure. Um, oh, the Jets you were talking about. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. And the problem is, I mean, you've got, I mean, uh, a non-mobile, ancient quarterback, you know, behind that line. So I can't think of a worse person to try to uh, take that gamble with than uh, 
uh, than the Statue of Liberty Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not a it's not a good situation, and that's the it, thing that can hold them back. It's very oddly timed. It's very oddly timed. So I don't know if there's something going on within that organization or what, but it just the, the whole thing just doesn't like you said doesn't seem to mesh. And they're, they're very good about that. So I, I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, they had a bad offensive coordinator last year that threw nothing but short passes and you know tried to get rid of the ball quickly and all that stuff. I mean, but they got two good receivers. Uh, they're okay at the tight end position. Uh, they're good on defense, even though, again, losing Bud Dupree is going to hurt them <coughs> because of because his loss of the pass rush. But, of course, I mean, he's coming off the ACL injury, so you wonder how he's going to be there. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, the, the thing is they're trying to keep everything together, and that's why they kept Ben. Yeah. They want to try to go to the Super Bowl with Ben. Yeah. Well, speaking of good offensive linemen, did you see that recent ESPN poll that they put out uh, with uh, grading the best tackles in the league? No, I did not. And, uh, yeah, it just came out this morning. Oh, yeah, I think I just saw what the Beckton ended up getting uh, in number the top six. ten. Number six. Yeah, he was number six, yeah. yeah. Worst was number eight. They were the only two from that class of uh, two years ago. So I thought that was a nice uh, shout-out. Basically, they're saying that the only thing that's going to keep Becton back, as we've been talking about, is his health. Yeah, and again, that's, that's why you wonder about it. And that's why I thought it was curious that they went for Morgan Moses, which it was a good deal at one year, 3.6. But what's that mean for George Fant? And what's that mean for Becton? Well, again, they didn't break the bank. They've got money to spend. And quite frankly, I think it's an, if nothing more, it's a great insurance policy. Fant or Moses is going to be an insurance policy. Right. Um, maybe they can work Fant in as a, you know maybe a third tackle on some running plays. Um, you know, let Fant and Moses supposedly fight it out for a position. But you know, again, I think they bought themselves some insurance uh -huh. in case Becton can't stay on the field. And don't forget, uh, Vera has also played as an experienced at tackle as well. So um, I think they're looking for flexibility more than anything else. And you know, they've had such <laughs> they. Had such a difficult time putting quality in the first five, but they've had absolutely nothing in the back mm -hmm. you know, behind them, particularly a tackle. I mean, they, the, the, the bench has been hollow, you know, with backup tackles the last five years, for God's sake. So I didn't, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that's a very, very shrewd move and uh, it helps them in so many different ways. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, it's like, uh, but, you know, it's like what you wonder about with Beckton is like, what about his weight? That he yeah, tends to get the, too fat. They've 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 got to get that boy in a yoga class, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and 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 bar the Domino's Pizza guy from uh, late night deliveries, right? Just like they did with Quinn and Williams, uh -huh. which is essentially what he did. I mean, his problem was he mentioned was Domino's Pizza late night, uh, but they also got him doing a lot more stretching, a lot more yoga, and they basically gave him an NFL body, and he took off last year. I think they they need to do the same thing with Becton, and then you know we've talked before that. Uh, you know, because it's, the COVID thing has been so screwed up and they haven't been able to, you know, get these guys in off-season conditioning programs and the, the contact has been so limited, it's been really difficult for these younger players and the rookies who really don't know what they don't know, as you've mentioned, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, really don't know how to take care of themselves. And I think Becton was another classic example of that. Yeah, and again, it's like, I'm sure that the discipline there with Adam Gaze probably wasn't there. That wasn't good, you know. I would imagine with George Sala, I mean, with uh, Sala, that he's going to be able to, uh, you know, get better discipline and try to make sure that the guys stay in better shape. I think he's a players' coach without question, and I think that uh, players will listen to what he says. Well, Sala has also made mention about uh, 
Becton's diet and mm-hmm. his weight and to get him back in shape. So they're watching him now. So that's, uh, that's nothing but a good thing. But I think, you know, the sky's the limit if he can stay on the field. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's a, he was a great choice because, again, you can see that the talent's there. I mean, he's got Pro Bowl talent. Yeah, and, you know, again, with signing Moses and whatever resources they want to throw on that offensive line, you know, they spent an awful lot of capital on that number two pick. Mm-hmm. they got to make sure they keep him upright and keep him on the field because I am just so concerned about Wilson just breaking in half probably by week three. Uh, he just does not look sturdy to me. Yeah, I mean, he's so small. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you notice just how thin, how light uh, he is, and it's like, okay. I mean, you can see that they've picked him as the second pick in the draft, and certainly I think that they think he's going to be good, but yeah, I just worry about his sturdiness. Yeah, and it's not just he's small, but he's slight. Yeah. Um, that was one that really stuck out at me on draft night because, uh, you know, I mean, you saw him in the workouts and stuff, but you see him stacked up against other people. And he's out there with a dress suit on, and the kid's got no shoulders, you mm-hmm, know, and mm-hmm. he's got a very thin waist. I mean, I don't know how they're going to put weight on that kid. Um, so I just hope they, he plays smart, and they call plays that are smart for him, because I don't want to see him, you know, trying to do Sam Darnold and trucking linebackers, uh, you know, like, uh, like he thinks he's a running back, because this kid's not going to hold up. No, I agreed. Yeah, it was still a very curious choice. We all knew it was going to happen. I think it became predictable as soon as all the, uh, you know, the workouts, uh, pro workouts were all done, that that's the guy that, uh, you know, uh, Joe Douglas really wanted, and that's the guy that he got. But, yeah, you would just wonder, particularly, you know, you're going to be in the East Coast and, you know, you're going to have cold weather and all that stuff, and to be so slight, it's like, hmm, okay, good luck. That's what that's my like, concern about the kid. He seems to, to handle everything else very well, but uh, but uh, he's just just yeah, it's very slight, and that leads us to the last, my last question for the day is any okay, I, I mean you've got Captain Morgan and uh, and White, and I think I have played in as many NFL games as those guys have. Mm-hmm. If not, it's darn close, and I don't know what what, what they got to come up with something better as a backup. Because, I mean, first off, I don't know if this kid's going to succeed or not. He's going to give, be given the chance. Right. But, you know, I mean, he's just looking like an injury waiting to happen. I mean, they've got to come up with something better behind him. Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, you know, it's, most of the guys are all gone right now. I mean, it's so late yeah. in the process to be able to get a good backup quarterback. Are they still just kind of playing burn down with the Bears with Foles or what? I, uh, I just don't understand. Well, I mean, again, it's like... Uh, uh, it depends on what the Bears, you know, want to take as far as draft choice compensation. But again, it's like you know, you're picking up an eight million dollar a year contract with a guarantee, and uh, you know that would discount what he would get in trade value for the Bears. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you figure at some point Foles right now is the one option they can have, and they definitely want to get rid of him. Now I thought Chicago had uh, salary cap problems. They do. And how how can they hold on to Foles? Uh, realistically, uh, given his salary structure uh, for the year, I mean, it seems like they have to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about uh, you know that they were shopping uh, Akeem uh, Akeem Hicks. You know, they had to cut yeah. Kyle, Kyle Fuller uh, at at cornerback. I mean, and they were a mess. And that's like everybody was laughing around the league. It's like, oh yeah, they're going to be able to pick up Russell Wilson with their cap situation? No way. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. But that's what I'm thinking is, I mean, did they just can't. I, I just don't think how they can even possibly hang on yeah. the poles. Uh, so, what are they going to do? 
Yeah, I mean it's like, uh, and and remember they're in a situation where it's like if they get, if they don't win, you know they're going to be uh, everybody's going to get fired. As well, they should mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but we'll see. You know, I hope things work out with Justin Fields on how fast yeah. it's going to turn around. But uh, you hope it works out for him. But uh, yeah, the Jets got to come up with something. Well, if it's not Foles, then who? Yeah, well, that's, I, I can't give you an answer for that because there's just not many left. You're scaring me, John. I know. You're scaring me. I'm sorry about that. Hey, Jet, thank you for the phone call. Uh, all right, take Jet. Enjoy the weather, John, and uh, take care. Talk to you okay. next week. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports dot com. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Uh, also, you can get us on the text line on the uh, Mac and Jack's text line at seven ten seven ten. Let's go to Jacqueline. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey John, good yes. morning. Good morning. How are you? I got <laughs> well. I'm I'm well and um, enjoying the sunshine mm-hmm. and that we're not under a heat dome. I especially like that. Yeah. But uh, the reason I'm calling is this um, question has been on my mind for a while and uh, it just won't go away. And um, you know, I've always been a big Russell Wilson fan, but. Um, Hypothetically speaking, if the Seahawks were going to take a proactive stance and start saying goodbye to Russell when his contract is up and um, get a young rookie who there just happens to be a really nice one coming up at UW that you know would be uh, going into the draft right about the time Russell's contract is up. Um, what kind of moves would the Seahawks have to make to make that to their advantage? They'd have to lose. To you know, yeah, if get the most out of yeah. They'd, they'd have to hope. they'd have to lose because you know what what happens now is that uh, you know if with Russell Wilson on the team and the team being good and you got you know Pete Carroll and uh, John Snyder and you know five six year deals you know they want to win. And so if that's going to be the case, yeah. you're going to be drafting in the low 20s or in the 20s, and you're not going to get a quarterback that's going to be any good that's going to be able to fit like that. And so if the UW quarterback by then is any good, he's going to go in the top 10, and the Seahawks are not going to be in a position to get him. So it's like... Uh, Unless they trade Russell. What's that? Unless they trade Russell. Well, you can trade Russell, but they you're can- still going to be drafting in the, uh, in the 20s. And you know, if you trade Russell, you're going to lose. Simple as that. I mean, you know, it's like they can't just, trade Russell for a high draft pick. No, well, they can trade him for a high draft pick, but uh, you know, it's still going to be sketchy. But it's, uh, again, it's like if you trade Russell Wilson, now you become a team that's not a non is a non playoff team. Simple as that. And do you want that to happen? I mean, Russell's still young I like enough. The idea of a rookie. I like the idea of a rookie coming in. Uh, no, I but, don't. I think that's. I think that would be yeah. a bad move because again, if a rookie comes in, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, for the most part, and you can see it all around there, you know, uh, rookies, it, it takes usually about the third year to start sorting it out and being seeing if you're good or bad or indifferent. Look at Josh Allen. I mean, you didn't see that until the third year in his contract that he started to come back. I mean, Russell was one of the exceptions in his rookie year to be good enough on a good team to be able to get them into the playoffs. 
And so it's like, uh, you know, if, if 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 you get rid of Russell Wilson, you're rebuilding the whole team. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is a and, good idea. Um, and and you don't think John and Pete would be in on that? Uh, no. And okay. So in um, what what do you think is going to happen with uh, Russell's contract in when when it's up? Yeah, I think what after the 2023 season, I mean, again, <clears throat> I think that, you know, then they'll start talking about trying to do an extension and something like that. And you'll, we'll see where it is as far as the team and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think because, again, it's like, I mean, do you, uh, other than the stupidity of the Green Bay Packers, you know, with uh, drafting a quarterback like Jordan Love when you have Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you don't see these Hall of Fame type quarterbacks leaving. It just pretty much doesn't happen. And again, it's like, uh, you know, Ru- Russell, I mean, because the, the Russell Wilson story was the most overdone, ridiculous story I, I've ever seen in covering the league as long as I have, because everybody overreacted to it. You know, uh, in fact, I noticed that uh, just uh, on Twitter a few minutes ago that, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner said that it's like that, that's a non-story. It's like it's, it's in the past. And so Russell was upset for a few days after the Super Bowl. His agent, who's terrible, uh, kept on, you know, glorifying it and trying to keep it alive and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, because he was trying to get something. I don't know what it was, and he doesn't know what he wants anyways. But, uh, you know, in the end, I think that uh, what you're looking at is that, you know, Russell has so many investments in this area. He's so involved in this area. He loves being in Seattle. He, I think he really likes his team. And so it's just a matter of just trying to, you know, wait it out and then at some point try to work out a contract extension. The, um, you know, Brady uh, left, and uh, <clears throat> he did it by, uh, you know, not uh, getting a franchise tag and by, you know, not adding extra years to his contract, and he mm-hmm. was able to be a free agent and walk away. And... Um, you know, I I do think that that's maybe one of the irons in the fire here for Russell that he's thinking about. Anyway, um, but remember, it's like Tom leave. Tom Brady was in his early forties. Mm-hmm. Russell's not. He's what thirty two, thirty three years old. Right. Okay, so you you don't think Russell really wants to leave underneath at all? No, I don't. And you don't think the Seahawks wanted to. I think the Seahawks want to keep him. I mean, there's certainly some strains in the relationship, but, uh, hey, there's strains mm-hmm. in the relationship with a lot of the top quarterbacks in this league and the teams. You just have mm-hmm. to deal with it. They got him an offensive coordinator that he likes. He's got, uh, you know, a good talent on the offense. I mean, again, and he all he wants to do is go to the Super Bowl. Simple as that. It's like and that's it's Well, a, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, I mean, that's what he wants. I mean, the disappointment of not being in the Super Bowl nagged him last year. Okay. Well, thank you, John. Hey, Jacqueline, that was, thank um, you. That's been on my mind, and it was good to um, have uh, have this discussion. I appreciate that. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call. 
Dave Grosby joining us at 1030. And then, of course, uh, we will take also your text questions on the Mac and Jack's text line at 710-710. Still kind of amazed at the Frank Clark story. You know, Frank, of course, uh, you know, getting arrested back in March 13th, had uh, a rifle and a uh, firearm, I guess a, a pistol, in the, in the car, and he got sentenced for that. Yes, I mean, he got at least charged with a felony yesterday, and, of course, that means that uh, he could face up to three years in jail. And then that doesn't include the incident that happened back in June when he was caught with an Uzi in his car. And so I get the feeling that Frank Clark's not going to play football this year. I think he's going to be in big trouble. And with the, you know, the two incidents like that, there's a very decent chance that he's going to be serving serving time. And so a uh, very bad situation. I mean, you're driving around L.A. What are you doing with you know guns and things of that nature? And Frank, of course, is a $20.5 million defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs, You know, a Pro Bowl type of player, a guy that uh, is so important to that team. And, of course, if he gets on the commissioner exemplist, what ends up happening is that uh, you know he's going to uh, – you know, be suspended or at least get on the on the exemplist. I mean, the team would have to pay him, and I don't know if they want to pay him, knowing that you know he could be in jail and they can get out of the contract because of the voids in his contract. Would be they could void them if they wish, but I mean, a very very bad situation. Now, the one thing I know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, this is a time of the year when general managers just fear because when that phone rings, you don't know if a bad story is going to be given to you about one of your players uh, being arrested and all that stuff. And so far, I've counted, you know, there's been a 16 arrests, including, you know, two for uh, Frank Clark. And naturally, it's a little down from last year where there were 17, but nobody was out last year because of the pandemic. You know, it was 21 in the offseason uh, back uh, two years ago, and before that, it used to be in the high 20s and 30s and all that stuff. So it has come down, but very bad situation for Frank Clark. I mean, you do hope that uh, you know players be on the best behavior, and I think for the most part they have. And so that's going to be very essential to try to keep these off seasons going. And of course, now it's just a couple of weeks before training camp starts, and you don't want too many guys that are going to be on arrest type of things. Uh, text questions, of course, on the Mac and Jack's text line at seven ten seven ten. Professor, how many heart targets and receptions will go somewhere else beside uh, Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett? I mean, I would imagine that you're going to see, you know, certainly. With Chris Carson, if he can stay healthy, you know, they'll try to get him the ball uh, on screens. I think that you'll see that uh, they'll get the tight ends more involved. We'll see where they go with the third three receiver set. You know, if it's going to be uh, Dwayne Estridge or if they can, you know, do re-sign Josh Gordon and all those things. But I think that, you know, they'll, they'll spread it around a little bit more. But still, the main two guys, because they're that good, are going to be Metcalf and lock it because they are that good. And so you want to get your best guys the ball as often as you can. Maybe they did it a little too much last year, but again, you didn't see much different in Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay has, you know, uh, Chris Godwin and they've got Mike Evans. And when you have two a, a wide receiver duo as good as that, I mean, they're going to get most of the balls. It's simple as that. And there's only a certain number of balls that can go, go around. Uh, from the 2 5 3, 
Professor, can you explain the difference between the likely to be earned and the unlikely to be earned bonus and how that affects the salary cap? Okay, on the likely to be earned, and again, what it comes down to is that you have incentives in your contract. If certain number of yards that you rush for or receive, certain number of touchdowns, certain number of tight end uh, touchdown passes, all those different things, certain number of sacks, you know, that that's those are the incentives. But what you do, uh, they uh, but they're unlikely to be earned unless you earned that those numbers last year and you if you match those numbers and so then they become the likely to be earned also you know the likely to be earned is going to be you know your report a bonus if it's going to be a reporting bonus in the or a, in the season you know workout bonus and everything else but the way it works is that uh, you count from last year the accomplishments and where that works as far as uh, you know the the numbers and then you come back and uh, you know the others you take care of next year but that's what it comes down to the previous year will determine the likely to be earned and the earns and all those different things as far as how that goes so that's uh, you know, pretty much the main thing as far as figuring out all those different things so uh, that's it uh, from the 253 John any update on Bo Scarborough none in fact I was just checking on that and uh, he's still available I think he'd be something that the Seahawks really should consider I mean he's a good powerful back He's going to come in cheap. I mean, he's going to you know come in what at uh, eight fifty or nine hundred twenty thousand dollars, and so that couldn't be an option. But there's no update on Bo, Bo Scarborough. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit, but I think you know he offers some talent from the two oh six. What does Rashad Penny need to do in order to get earn a contract extension? <clears throat> well, you know it depends on if he's willing to be accepting being a backup to Chris Carson you would think that he's probably going to take the tack that if he does some good things this year, he's going to go someplace else and start and try to get some starter money. But again, you know, running backs have a hard time <coughs> you know, because right now it's not just not a good market. I mean, look at Chris Carson as good as he's been. And you know, he had to settle for what, $5.2 million. Other backs are settling now for three and $4 million. I mean, look at the Marvin and uh, Melvin Gordon situation in Denver. I mean, last year, of unrestricted free agents and guys on the street, he ended up getting the highest salary at the $8 million a year. And that's $8 million a year. It's not the 10 plus million dollars that all the running backs wanted. And so like, for example, in the case of Penny, I mean, he, and again, the, the numbers are going to go up next year because you're going to have full stadiums. You're going to have more TV money coming in because of the 17 week season. And so that, of course, is going to be a difference and it's going to raise the stake of what everybody's going to get. But running backs just don't seem to get it. And, you know, they, they tended to be that. But like in the case of Melvin Gordon, I, mean, I think he's all of a sudden now becoming the Rodney Dangerfield of running backs. Because, you know, here he is. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's a guy in Denver that, uh, you know, had 986 yards last year and <clears throat> did it in 15 games. And so then, uh, you know, he, he's in, in the last, uh, what, three years, he's ranked 11th as far as, you know, explosive plays, 10-plus yard runs and 10-plus catches and all those different things. So he's been a very productive back. But now, uh, you know, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew rated him as the 24th uh, best running back in the league, which is ridiculous. I mean, last year, there was only eight running backs who had 1,000-yard seasons, only eight. 
And that shows you, you know, how teams have kind of not gotten away from the running game, but share the position now. Don't let a running back get 20 carries for the most part, unless you're Derrick Henry or anything of that nature. So it's like uh, your running backs have been devalued. And, of course, you know, there's still going to be starting jobs around. But, you know, also what you're looking at with running backs is that, uh, for the most part, the running backs don't get to play 16 games, either get an injury or something happens to them that they play, you know, less than 16 games. I think most of the starters, if not, I think all the starters in the league, none of them played 16 starts. And so because of that, you know, there's a devaluation of what goes on with the running backs. And so you just have to kind of deal with that and see, you know, where, where that's going to go. But uh, overall, it's one that, uh, you know, you can see running backs don't get any respect. And so unless you're great, if you're a top five running back, you get respect. If not, you don't. From the 206, who right now is the best team in the NFC West? Again, not because I live here. I'm neutral, but it's like I still think it's Seattle. I mean, why? I mean, say what you want about the Rams. I think the 49ers are bounced back. Arizona's on the rise. But, I mean, this team won 12 games last year. It's added to its pass rush. It's added to its you know, pass-catching group. It's got Chris Carson back. And, again, the big thing, it's got the best quarterback in the division in Russell Wilson. And quarterbacks mean everything. And so because of that, I think that you're looking at a team right now that still has a slight edge over the Rams. Say what you want about the Rams, as good as it's going to be with Matthew Stafford and their two receivers and all that stuff. And I don't know if Deshaun Jackson is going to be a good addition or not. He's 34, and he's oft injured. But, you know, what I look at is that, uh, you know, they lost four starters on defense, and that's going to hurt them. So in the end, are they going to be as good on defense? Uh, where the Seahawks, I think, have a chance to be pretty decent, maybe not as good as the Rams, Rams on defense, because, I mean, they basically built their defense around three players. It's Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and Leonard Floyd. And those are good players to build around. But what else did they have on defense that can uh, make them that much better? So uh, on in the end, I think that uh, you're looking at a defense right now that's going to have to make a little bit of a drop. And I think that still opens the door to Seattle having a slight lead in the NFC West. But we'll see how that goes. From the 206, not, a, not football related, but should the Mariners make a move at the trade deadline? I think if they can, they should. I think the one moves they shouldn't make is trade Kyle Seeger or trade Mitch Hanniger because you're talking what Seeger has 16 home runs, Hanniger has 20 home runs. And say what you want, this team's now five games over 500. Five. Did you anticipate that? I thought it was interesting. Uh, Jerry Depoto was talking about when they were playing Toronto that he felt <coughs> in the rebuilding process that Toronto was one year ahead of them. But yet this team now, I think, has a better record than Toronto. And you can see that despite all the injuries, because they've had so many injuries in the pitching staff and they don't have Kyle Lewis, so many guys have missed games and all that stuff. So many guys on the 60-man DL list or injured list is that uh, they did a remarkable job. And again, they still have great players coming up from the minor leagues. I mean, Jared Kelnick at some point is going to be able to bounce back and come back. He's done a great job in Tacoma. Julio Rodriguez is doing well in double A. So you can see a lot of good things. So I think if they can add something, and most likely, I mean, obviously they're good at third base, second base. They're fine with Shedlong at second base. You know, if they can get some kind of a DH or first baseman, that I think could help out. 
Certainly they're fine in the outfield. They've got home run hitters at least do and good hitters at the catching position. So I think if they can add some pitching or add a first base slash uh, you know designated hitter, that might be the right thing to do. But no, I think that they, if they, and again, it doesn't have to be a bunch of players. Maybe it's just going to be one. But if you can add something just to make it a little bit better, I mean, hey, they're like, what, eighth seed right now in the American League. They're in a good position right now to at least challenge for a wild card. Maybe they won't make it, but still, I think they can be in a position to challenge for it. And just like last year, I think they surprised everybody in the 60-game season to be able to come back be in a position in the last week of the season to still be in contention. And I think that's going to be the case this year. So I think if you can, you know, make an addition, that's going to make the team a little bit better. Certainly the hitting is something that they need to continue to improve on. Try to make a move to do something. But I think right now it's been such a great year. Scott service has done such a great job. And I, I still remember what, <clears throat> about what a month or so ago, people were calling up and saying, should they, fire uh, Scott's service. It's like, are you kidding me? With all the injuries, with all the youth on this team, it's one of the, what, fifth youngest team in baseball, that they have <coughs> done such a great job in being able to win despite all the adversity, the youth, the problems that they've had. Scott's done such a sensational job that I think both Scott and Jerry DePoto deserve an extension. 866-979-ESPN, 206 206- 421 ESPN. Give us a call. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you just showed everybody why they call you professor because uh, you don't just drop them off, to, off at the bus stop. You take them all the way to school. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're talking about the Mariners. Um, yeah, my wife and uh, grandkids really got into the Mariners this year. They're an uh, exciting young team. And I remember when they was going to their first game, I reminded the grandkids that uh, this is the one spot that you can jump up and down, make as much noise as you want without getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they they took it to heart. They they really enjoy themselves when they go to the Mariners. Uh, all you wanted to see in this team is, was improvement, and they have improved. Um, they just need to tighten up a few things and uh, bring some more guys up. Yep. But it was a really enjoyable, a very entertaining season. Well, the great part is, and you know, I credit Scott Service for this, and obviously you have to credit the hitters, is that how resilient they are. I mean, you know, they have such a great record in extra inning games, uh, comeback games, late inning type of games. I mean, if the game's close, they have a chance to win. Like last night was just sensational in the standpoint that here they were, there's 3 nothing. You know, Gonzalez was struggling. Uh, he was able to, you know, settle things down after a while, but they're down 3 nothing. Next thing you know, they make it 3-2, they tie it up, and here's Mitch Hanniger in the eighth inning getting a grand slam home run. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're very entertaining. Um I was looking at the, um, the Seahawks, yeah. and I was noticing their depth. They have very good depth in the, in the most positions. Right. Um, you spoke earlier uh, about Scarborough. You know, I mentioned to you about bringing him in because he kind of reminds me of uh, the Seahawks running back, his, his style and everything, um, the way he, uh, he mm-hmm. you know, he goes to, goes to contact like Chris, contact, Chris Carson. 
Um, but I think the depth is going to be very important because we're playing that extra game. People say, well, it's only one game, but hey, you can get awfully beat up in one game. Now, lately, we've been uh, entering the playoffs with some key players hurt. You know, last right. year it was Adams. Before that, it was Carson and, and the other guys. And because um, remember in seven, was it 78? Yeah, 78. They went from 14 to 16 games. Right. And of course, now they're increasing it again to 17. And who knows, 18 is probably on the way. They need to maybe expand the, uh, the, the roster or something. Because these guys are, you know, they're talking about they're worried about the players' health, but, you know, money rules everything. I don't know about expanding the roster, <clears throat> but you've got 53 players on the roster. Use them all. Why have 40, yeah. 46 players active and seven players inactive? Yeah, that, 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 that's another way of looking at it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, like you said, use them all. It just kind of reminds me of some of the records that, some of the guys set the way back in the day, like uh, Jim Brown, mm-hmm. and then later on O.J. Simpson. I mean, he went for two thousand yards in fourteen games, and Jim Brown he went for what eighteen hundred in, in twelve games. Right. It, it's just <laughs> uh, you know, it just you know, and they, uh, there's no asterisk next to uh, the records coming up, coming forward. But uh, two thousand is still two thousand, and um, and, uh, and of course uh, one thousand mm-hmm. supposed to be a good year for a running back now. But uh, but anyway, it's just. But again, how, how, how about the, the how about the number that last year there was only eight running backs who had thousand yard seasons? Eight. Yeah, I I think one of the things they do is they try to spread the um, the the carries out, yeah. and of course now they're passing, they're passing quite a bit. But the Seahawks, uh, you know, Pete Carroll, you may he may have a new offensive coordinator, but you know he he's old school. He, um, he he likes running the ball. What says Woody Hayes says, uh, you know, when you uh, run the ball, when you pass the ball, uh, three things uh, can happen and two of them are bad. Mm-hmm. And so Pete Carroll, he likes to win with, his, you know, win with his defense, but he likes to keep the ball away from the high-powered offenses with his running game. Well, the big but, thing, um, he, the big thing for Pete is that his he believes that you know, if you win the turnover battle, you win the game. And exactly. if you're in a position like last year, where Russell had more interceptions, <clears throat> that lost games. Yeah, we can see that, most definitely. We could definitely see that. Hey, John, um, you were in my neck of the woods. Hello? Yeah. Oh, you were in my neck of the woods uh, last night when you were up at, um, what was that, uh, Max? Jim- Jimmy, Jimmy Max, Max, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good place. Uh, grandkids go there, they love the. Peanuts shells on the floor and all that stuff. Right. Very casual, <laughs> tiny atmosphere, but with good good steaks, good ribs, and everything. Man. Mm-hmm. The sassy yeah. sausages is really good too. Well, I haven't tried that. I don't. I don't do the pork, but oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 all good though, man. Yeah, it's good. Hey, uh, John, you have a good day and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay, Rick, thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Victor in Auburn. Hey, Victor. Hey, John, another great show. Hey, thank you. Hey, uh, not only that, but a good article on the uh, the web about Javante Williams. Um, but you also mentioned two other risks Denver has, which was Quentin Mar- Marinette and uh, the linebacker Browning. What do you think their ceilings are? I mean, I think their ceilings are really good because, I mean, it's not out of the question that they could sneak their way in and get a chance to play a little bit more this year. Because I think that uh, you know, there are sleepers. I know that they were you know in that compensatory pick round where uh, – you know, you're in, you know, below 96. 
third round picks that are in the compensatory picks. But I think that those were two really good players. And I think you can see, you know, if it's not going to be this year, at some point, both guys at some point are going to be able to start. Yeah, because I think that, that uh, offensive line is going to be a strength of Denver, and uh, it's not this year, but possibly next year. And the linebackers, I know they've had their problems in the past with covering the mm-hmm. the uh, tight end, but with the with Denver, I, I believe running more of a nickel package constantly. I think uh, Jewel and the other guy are going to be able to hold down that middle as long as they're making tackles. Right, exactly. So it's like I, again, I think that Peyton's done a great job with this team. Can can you explain to me why Melvin Gordon doesn't get any respect? Well, I know last year, first off, he didn't uh, start off well in Denver with the the media thing. Even though he was complaining that he was coming in and everyone loved Philip Lindsay, so yeah, so they kind of gave him uh, some crap there. But he fumbled a lot last year, John. He cost Denver probably maybe two to. I mean, you can't say they cost him. You never know, but probably three or four uh, costly fumbles in a game that changed the the whole complexion of the game. Mm-hmm. But he's a good running back. He can catch. He can block. I don't know why this. You know, and he's like you said, he's the highest paid. He's the highest paid uh, free agent running back too. So that they gave him a hard time about that also. So yeah, and of course. I mean, but again, it's, it's it's eight million a year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I mean, I like him. I like Melvin Gordon. I just think this other guy, the Williams, is a little like Gordon, but younger, maybe mm-hmm. more explosive. I mean, at some point, uh, Javante Williams is going to start. I mean, it's like oh, yeah. he he looks really good. What and then uh, last question, John? What's uh what's going to happen with this ownership? You're still uh, getting pretty contentious. Uh, no, I mean <clears throat> the fact that they took it out of court tells me that they've reached some kind of a settlement. What that settlement is, nobody knows because they've got total secrecy on everything. But uh, you know, I, my guess is it's going to take one of the sisters, whether it's Tiffany, and let her be the main person owning the team, and then we'll see if the other uh, siblings you know, want to get sell you know sell their stakes in the team. And uh, you know, so I, you'd have to think there's going to be some minority ownership change, but I still think it's going to stay in the Bolin family. But again, does, do I know for sure? No, because nobody knows. Yeah, and then you think uh, that that team's too big of a team to, to possibly be leaving if uh, somebody else came in and purchased the team up. Well, I mean, you know, it's like it's it's I think a valuable team is what uh, you can probably get 3.2 billion for it. And uh, it's a, I, it's so valuable because of the fan base and everything else. So, uh, I mean, I don't think there's not going to be any problem if they need to sell. But you just hope they don't have to go through some kind of a sale. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. Hey, John, you take care, bud. All right, Victor, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Linda, stay on the line. And, of course, everybody else, get on the phones. Dave Grosby joining us at 1030. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.